The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Some of the texts coming in. I liked your fun Friday show much better than this one. Yeah, so did we. <laughs> yeah, we prefer it as well. <laughs> you can't win, really win. No one's really upset with us, but you no. can't really win if you if there's a story like that. The one you don't we just cover did, it. And you don't cover it. The Sandy's people are like, like uh, you're afraid to. Well, no. we're not afraid of anything. Uh, in fact, uh, I'll uh, show you. We're not afraid of anything. So this, this is, story. This is an interesting uh, one, so, and you might have heard about it. So there has been a book that's been written about the Humboldt Broncos, the team, and the bus crash uh, or what happened uh, on April 6th. So there's a fellow by the name of Barry Heath. He's a former Saskatchewan coroner and veterinarian. He has published his book. It's called Humble Beginnings of the Humboldt Broncos and the 2017-2018 Team. Now, up for sale at uh, numerous different uh, locations. The families involved, um, the families of the victims, the families of the surviving, begging people to not buy this book. Um, Ryan Strasnitsky's uh, parents saying, hey, uh, Michelle, do not buy this book. It's no way supported or endorsed by the 29 families. It is not his story to tell. Uh, uh, the Boulet uh, family, the Boulet family, the exact same thing. Um, apparently, he did approach... Um, Within four weeks, he approached or sent letters to the family members asking them if they would take part in this book, and they either got a no or no response. Right. He sent chapters as well to the Broncos organization asking for guidance and approval, got no response. Well, guess what? He then proceeded to write this book based on what is out there in the public domain. So let's stop there for a second, Mm -hmm. because there's more to the story, but let's stop there for a second. So you have this story that impacts a nation and Mm -hmm. internationally. You have an individual who has a connection to it in the area. Now, he's the uh, coroner, is he not, or works for... He, I know he's a veterinarian, but I think he's also... He's a former former Saskatchewan coroner veterinarian. Yeah. So... You, whatever he thought, you know. Listen, people need to hear this story, and I, at that point, I think he's done nothing wrong. People need to hear this story, and I want to get the story out. And um, but at the point at which family members don't reply or ask him not to write mm-hmm. the book, I think you have to take a serious second look at that point and say, well, the people most directly impacted by this tragedy don't want me writing this book. At least not right now. Right. They don't want their story to be told through him. And I think it, it's in poor taste at that point to continue on uh, with the book. So now you have the books come out, and now you have this pushback, and uh, people, as you just said, who are directly okay. involved with the tragedy, begging the rest of us not to buy the book. Now, this is the point at which the story kind of takes a turn, because once, I mean... When people accuse you of doing something wrong or or suggest that you might have done something that's in very poor taste, you you get defensive. So now he's gotten defensive. Quite defensive. Right. So he's come out publicly and said, look, I tried to get them to participate. They didn't want to. I I sent chapters of the book to the team. They didn't respond. Um, 
the suggestion being that, look, I tried to involve the families, right? I tried to do the right thing. But again, the right thing would have been to just stop if nobody involved directly wanted you to be doing this. But then he goes after the media. Now he goes after the media because he's saying, well, without the stories being told to me firsthand, I had to go with what was reported in the media. And boy, the media didn't stop talking about it. They were making money on their papers and their radio shows and their television shows on this tragedy so why shouldn't i be able to Uh make money on this tragedy and i don't know you're probably better equipped to address Uh, this than me number one you know what i I, first brought to my attention last night because um christina hogan the um, widow of the coach she had put out a facebook post that was retweeted and retweeted and that sort of stuff um once again she said he has done this without the support and endorsement of any family involved in this. In fact, he was specifically asked not to do this at this time as none of us felt ready for something like this. Hmm. Um, I mean, those are big words. Those are those are big words, and it kind of... Now, know, he, has, right. he, he has every right... To write a book? To write a book. Sure. He has every right to write a book based on what is out there in the public domain. Yep. Uh, on what's been reported on, what's been in the newspapers, what's been on radio, what's been on television. Um, is it in good taste at this point to do so? Personally, I would I would say no, but I also understand that need and that draw, drive, again, and it's really bad optics, um, of getting something and getting it done first. Yeah, I I guess, you know... To me, though, as an author, here's the thing. My first book, my first book, um, we sat through, and it was with um, a family whose um, uh, family member who had died in Afghanistan. We had everything arranged. We had everything. It was months of negotiations done. And um, the widow at that time had changed her mind based on something in the contract. We lost everything. Months of work on this, but we we lost it. But that was her wishes. We could have gone ahead mm-hmm. based on what was in the common, uh, what was out there, but we didn't. Right. We didn't because it wasn't right, in our opinion, to do so. That's when we moved on to the next book. And there you go. I mean, see, you know, there's all sorts of unauthorized biographies out there. There's all sorts of books out there that do not get, oh, uh, you know. Obviously, yeah, absolutely. And I think this one for so many because it's so raw because of who it was, how it happened, how horrific it was. Um, the problem becomes, and oftentimes, you know, I, I like to say that my dad used to say, you don't hide, you don't think to look under the bed mm-hmm. unless you've hidden there, right? Mm-hmm. So when there's pushback to this, hey, you're making money off of this, and he turns around and says, well, the media was making money off it too. So he's not saying I'm not making money off it. He's saying I'm not the only one making money off it. But then he subsequently comes up with the offer that, well, listen, 10 bucks from every book is actually going, going to, to go to, to the... One of the things. Yeah, one of the funds to help support the victims and, and their families. And so I look at it and I say, okay, so... We're not determining here whether or not what you did is legal. We're, we're determining whether or not what you did is right. And if you're saying that you did it because you wanted to raise money for whatever charity you're now throwing this 10 bucks at, then throw all the money at it. Give it all the money. I mean, if that was what you did it for, 
And I, by the way, I still wouldn't have recommended that you do it. If the families are telling you not to yeah. do it specifically, don't do it, then don't do it. If they're saying, we, you know, we'd rather not have this book at the expense of any additional money. We've got lots of money. It's all come in. It's yeah. being taken care of. Um, it feels to me like, honestly, so the only conversation left to be had, it feels to me like this is a guy who just wanted to make money, wanted to be the first to get he the book out. He wanted to be the first. Right, so that the book would sell. Because but for- what about the argument about the media? And now I know, and we can't defend the whole media. I know in our case, it's a story. It's a big story. But it's our job to yeah, do that. Yeah, we're a news station. We didn't... Um, we asked people if they wanted to talk to us. If they didn't want to talk to us, then we didn't talk to them. And we didn't bother them mm-hmm. again, that kind of thing. And by the same token, when they reached out to us to talk to us, we didn't say, no, we've talked about mm-hmm. it too much. We said, yes, come on the show and talk about it. You know, whatever you need to do, right? I, I don't know. I mean, media has to report the news, right? That's right. So then it becomes it's, a how long do you report it for and that kind of thing. Well, and, I think we saw how long we reported yeah. it for. It, it does, as as things eventually start to yep. to move, it's been six months since this crash. Six months. And for some people, that might seem like a very, very long time. I'm guessing for the, the family members of everyone uh, that was involved with this mm-hmm. crash, six months uh, at times has felt like forever, but at other times it feels like it was just yesterday. Yeah. Most likely that it was like just an hour ago that this happened. Um, is there a right time or is there a wrong time? I think there's, um, um, I think you have to look inside yourself and, and, and know what is right and what is wrong. And personally, to me, if I'm getting told by all of these people, um, no, first off, we're not going to help you. Second of all, we're not ready for this. I would probably hold up because you know what? There is nothing more than in that book than you already know that's in the public domain. Right. So number one, why would you Why would you buy it if you've, if you've heard it all before? There yeah. is nothing, there is no more added to that book from any of those families who haven't spoken from any of those families who have shared photos anything like that yeah and to me wouldn't be wouldn't that be the book that you want to read well the story's not the story's not told. well the story hasn't has it hasn't even completely been told yet hasn't even half been told yet right And, and i know you know i don't know how to put this but again it just everybody conducts themselves the way they choose to conduct Mm -hmm. themselves, right? And I guess then the rest of us judge you. But um, when I went out to Saskatchewan shortly after that accident to entertain um, the first responders, I told you, um, I heard stories Mm -hmm. that were... Terrific. Yeah. But never told the stories Mm -hmm. here on the radio, and nor will I ever, because it's not my story to tell. It's not your story to tell. That's and right. they didn't tell me, mm-hmm. I would love for you to share this yeah. story with your listeners yeah. in Edmonton. That, and that's when you ask and say when someone's like, and, and, and if you and thought did. about it, and they said no. Right. So this, They were talking to me as a comedian, not yeah. as a member of the media. Yeah. yeah. The, this, to me, was uh, was an opportunity to be the first one. Uh, I, uh, that's how I see it. We could it. be wrong, but that's how I see it, too. And like I say, the warning signs were there. The family went no. The fact that they didn't get back to them, the fact that they're now saying, don't buy the book. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just a shame because tragedy brings out the best and worst in everybody. Doesn't it though? It it always does, right? Like think about the worst, most horrific, tragic day maybe, and you, you might all think of a different one, might be 9-11. It would certainly be up there, mm-hmm. if not the worst. Shortly after 9-11, within 24 hours, people were posting pictures of the plane hitting the building from the top of the building, and they weren't true. 
somebody photoshopped them. Yeah. Um, there's charities that spring up when hurricanes hit cities that are going to help victims, but it's not. Mm -hmm. it, it just, and, and on the other hand, you hear stories of first responders and others that, you know, just jump into action and get yeah. jobs done. Yeah, it brings out the best and worst in people. At the, at the end of it, as, as adults, you have a decision to make, and, uh, and, and that's going to be buy it or not buy it. And, right. and that's, that's really what it comes down to. I'm not going to tell you one way or another uh, what to do, because that's, that's not my job. No. That's... Uh, that's your job as a yeah as a as a, as a human being. If, if um, the retired fire chief of Fort McMurray or uh, Wood Buffalo were mm. to write a book about, mm. I would buy that book. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be interested in buying a book from somebody who just put something together based <laughs> on all the yeah didn't interview anybody didn't <laughs> wasn't there mm -hmm. uh, had no involvement with Fort McMurray prior to that has had developed no relationship with any of the families right. right. I mean, that's that's an integral part of getting a story, a powerful, connecting human story is having that connection and that trust with the person that you're telling the story mm -hmm. of. Without that, you're just it's, it, regurgitating I, yeah, what is out there. It's quite opinion. an honor to be asked to tell someone's story. Without, it's a huge honor to be asked. Without a doubt it yeah. is. It's quite an insult to have your story told without your permission. That's what it comes down to for me. And this is a story being told without the permission of the people. Is there a... Di well, and then I just go go like this. When you talk about unauthorized biographies, oftentimes there's unauthorized biographies about celebrities mm -hmm. that are done left, right, and center. True. Is there a difference there? I think there is. Yeah. I think there is based on what well, this I, tragedy I, was. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I would be... Listen, I'll never is have that not like, do. Is that not like part and parcel of what comes along with your... Yeah. It, it is funny. If you want to put... And, you know, it's kind of my job here to try and end topics like this on a lighter note. There's two famous... Well, I shouldn't say famous. One famous comedian and one not-so-famous comedian that have each written books in which they tell stories of which I'm in the story. Mm. Uh, John Wing is one, and Russell Peters is another. Mm. And in both cases, they didn't say my name because they didn't have my permission. Mm -hmm. And in both cases, when the book came out, I phoned them and went, when the hell would you say my name? That was such a great story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I couldn't... I want to be in your book. I want to be in the book. I would have sent you a picture. You must whip it. Now whip it. Into shape. Shape it up. Get straight. Go forward. Move ahead. Try to detect it. It's not too late. Who remembers roller skating to this? Woo! Deb's looking at us going, what are you talking about? Is this in another there? Hall you, of Fame? You old people in there talking about roller skating around a rink to Devo. Uh, listen, roller skating had nothing much to do with roller skating, just so you know. <laughs> you could spend a Friday night at a roller skating rink and never put on roller skates. It was a great place to go with your friends. You'd meet girls. You'd listen to rock music, eat a burger, and have some fries. Oh, my God, I am so old. <laughs> In your corduroy pants. Exactly. Swishing around. Swish, swish, swish. Gosh, I hope I don't rub the courts all off. And then there'd be that one guy that, you know, the guy who played on the junior hockey team or, you know, knew how to skate backwards and cross his legs oh, and yeah, everything. Yeah. He's skater. Then there'd be the one really serious mm. guy, mm. maybe a couple dancers. Or the couple that could, yeah, 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 like ballroom on roller skates. There'd be the first date where the one of them was like, hair? yeah, yeah, oh. oh, 
Roller and skating rinks once. were great. Only one once. Really? Yeah, well, oh, I, used think to that, go all the time. I think that was kind of... Um, so I was living in Belleville, Ontario at that time. So I was probably like 10 or 11, 11 around that time. Then I moved to Northern Ontario. And we didn't have, from what I remember, I don't think we had a roller rink in Sault Ste. Marie. Mm. So it had only yeah, I don't recall been. One. But my dad had a pair of roller skates. Oh. <laughs> you know, big black ones with yeah, a big red your stop. Dad, my really? dad, yes. I wonder what that looked like. Well, you take a look at some of the old pictures of them with the roller skates on. And I would put them on and stuff the uh, toes with socks yes. and try to learn how to do them out on the road in front huh, of the wow. house. Yeah. And these were old uh, these were old school roller skates oh, yeah. you're talking about too, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Like it was a boot with like wheels. It and just one big red stopper at the front. If you hit that, is, you're like... Phew. Is that what that was for? <laughs> what do you think it was for? I don't know. I was always tripping on the damn thing. You can't... <laughs> to erase your answers on I the question? I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, I thought it was... Okay, that actually makes sense. I'm not much of a skater. Well, they're probably not on skates either. You're supposed to put your toe down to slow down? Mm, you dragged it. You would drag it behind you. Oh, I thought it was like a bumper in case you hit the boards. Well, that helped too. Yeah, okay. Well, I didn't Along know that. Along with your hips and your shoulder and There was a roller skating rink somewhere. It must have been Calgary and Ashley for like her ninth or 10th birthday. That's where we went. So, you know, 20 years ago. And I couldn't have been more thrilled when I got the That's how she was. Thought, yes, I'm doing that. I was skating around and having a great old time. <laughs> look at you. I know. Look at my arms. <laughs> this is the happiest I've been all afternoon. <laughs> the 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.